And welcome to Just My Opinion. I am your host, Ken Lambert. Well, today we're going to finish out our uh, last uh, episode of my interview with Jeremy Baudet. Uh, in uh, part three, we uh, break down the states. Uh, we uh, talk about the Herschel Walker. Uh, you have to remember that this was recorded uh, before the, 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 the actual runoff race was run. And then uh, we wrap up things by talking Trump uh, 2024. So I hope you get to enjoy uh, all of this. It's, it's only about 30 minutes. Uh, enjoy. We way straight away from what we were talking about when we got here. Um, so let me, let me ask you, if, uh, is there some uh, states or numbers or stuff that, did, that you want to go over that, that you found uh, particularly interesting that, that we haven't touched on? I mean, the only things that really jumped out to me were the four seats that were flipped in New York. Here's another interesting number, actually, I wanted to bring up that I just found out that struck me as very interesting. Talking about influence, right? Because we just mentioned the Electoral College. Electoral College is the weighted influence of how your vote counts for the presidential election. Obviously, it matches the number of representatives you have. New York lost a rep when they did the census in 2020. So we're down to 28 uh, electoral votes, 28, which is pretty good. I think it's fourth highest, fourth largest or something, Mm -hmm. third or fourth. Yeah, fourth. Um, Do you know the last time New York had 28 electoral votes for president? No. It was in 1808. Uh, New York elected James Madison president uh, in 1808. Uh, we maxed out at 44 electoral votes during the um, uh, the um, Roosevelt years, FDR years. During, I think, all four of his elections, we held 44 electoral votes. And it's just been a slow step down since then. So it's interesting for me to see places like Texas, Florida, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky, North Carolina having their influence increase while at the same time states like New York, California, Michigan, states that are going more heavily blue are having their influence decreased. Um, So it'll be interesting to see in the years ahead. Again, while New York is still the fourth largest state by population, fourth largest number of representatives, I think 11 of which are now Republican. I think it went from, it was either seven or eight to 11 or 12 yeah, I mean, I, I mean, and that's a good thing for uh, that people that are uh, leaving from New York are uh, are going to Florida, you know, or the Texas, mm-hmm. and uh, so they're 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 going somewhere where uh, they can help a red state stay red or a state that might have been purple that was a swing state like Florida be red. Um, but I mean, we we haven't talked about. Are we, we, I mean, 
there's no sense really to talk about Ohio. I mean, J.D. Vance was, I mean, we weren't surprised by that, were you? No, he got, I think he wouldn't have won by as much if DeWitt didn't take off in the governor's race. Yeah. Um, but I think he's a pretty solid Republican and he'll do a good job for us in general. I did read his book, which is an excellent book. I recommend it to anybody. Hillbilly Elegy by J.D. Vance. Yeah, I, I saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Where did all these stupid people come from? <laughs> yeah, it was a good movie too. Um, now, what about uh, Carrie Lake, Arizona? Arizona. Man, she is she is a firebrand, isn't she? Man, and um, that's another one. It's like um, she said all the right stuff, all the right stuff, and and uh, boy, she uh, she didn't take it from the 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 press. She didn't. Uh, uh, everybody from, uh, including um, uh, Fox, their 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 guy Brett Bear. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, said, yeah, yeah. Put yeah, him yeah. in his place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, so, and that that was a stunner for me. And, and you know, and mm-hmm. now, you know, they're they're you're you're hearing some of the stuff that we heard, you know, after Trump lost that it ain't over till it's over and blah blah blah. You know, um. But it's it's stunning that I mean, how does somebody like that, who was head and head and shoulders above the other candidate, um, you know, how do you not be able to convince enough people to to win that election? I think that despite her many positives, there were a couple of negatives that hurt Carrie Lake. Because let's be honest, if Carrie, if if Carrie Lake won by a thousand votes. We'd we'd be happy that she won, but we'd be like, wow, only a thousand. Like, how did she only win by a thousand? I mean, I thought this. I thought if if this person can't win, I don't know how anybody wins. I mean, she handled the media brilliantly. I think that Katie Hobbs was the Secretary of State. I think that her name recognition was extremely high across the entirety of the state, and I think Carrie Lake had less name recognition. Um, I think that Carrie Lake came out um, immediately for Trump. Uh, very strongly for Trump, and I think that that works really well for someone like Elise Stefanik in our in a district that voted sixty percent for Trump. That's a great idea, but in a place like Arizona that is at best fifty fifty for Trump, you're drawing some pretty hard lines in the sand. She was so overwhelmingly popular in that state. Remember, she was on for twenty years. She was on TV every morning. She was, and she, I believe she was on TV in Maricopa County. I think, which is the most populous county, but that still leaves twenty four. I'm sorry, forty to fifty percent of the state that really didn't know anything about her. I mean, it was a it, it was like a Good Morning Arizona or whatever, right? It was I, it was it was on through most of the state, anyways, if not all the state. Well, like to my point, even if it was on throughout the entirety of the state, what percentage of the population actually watches? The, sh- the television. If she's on cable, nobody watches cable anymore, yeah. you know. But again, by drawing that hard line in the sand, again, Maricopa County, I think, is sixty percent Democrat, forty percent Republican, and you got the rest of the state that's I don't know much more Republican than Democrat, but way less populated. Right. I think you're already saying to fifty percent of the voters, "I'm not for you." That's not what she's saying, but that's the impression that she's giving. She's saying, oh, I'm Trump all the way. Trump 100%. Trump, 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 Trump. Then you're already turning off 50% of the population. You know, and I, I think the, the only— uh, If she was a little less Trump, she would have won more people. And, and the thing about it is uh, uh, her opponent, um, 
Katie well, Hobbs. Yeah, <clears throat> she she kind of did the the uh, Biden thing where she just laid low mm-hmm. and she tried and didn't piss people off. Mm-hmm. So they were like um, that that sixty percent uh, that are vote, normally vote Democrat anyways. Why they, she didn't give them any reason not to vote the party line like they normally do. You know well, what I mean? Sixty percent of of Two million votes is a lot more than sixty percent of one point six million votes. So that's where what I talked about earlier about the get out the vote. If you if you're a Democrat and you know you're gonna if you're solid that you're gonna win sixty percent of this, then you want to drive turnout as high as you possibly can. And if you're poor Carrie Lake and you want to go out to whatever county that probably only has sixty thousand people in it, even though its landmass is an eighth of the state. Like, oh, drive your turn up as high as you want. It's not going to make it. Drive it to 100%. It's not going to make any difference whatsoever. Yeah. and uh, It's blue on know, black. And, and it's another one of those states where the uh, mailing balloting, uh, mail-in balloting. Uh, killed her. Just killed her. They killed her. Because, uh, you know, these, uh, you know, and, and, and the funny thing about it is, and, you know, I did a show about, about it too, is like uh, the, the fact that they couldn't, couldn't get them counted yeah, it's the laws. Uh, yeah, it's the ridiculous it's laws. On election day. So, I mean. They do uh, all kinds of stupid stuff out there. You know, they make you hand open the envelopes. They don't have a machine that does it for you. Dude, they didn't even start counting them. Yeah. Until the polls closed. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, uh, you, you know, want to get a little head start on that. Maybe start counting on these votes. Like Florida you know. probably had, you know, just because of the population difference, Florida probably had more mail-in votes than than Arizona did, even though whatever, 30 to 60% of Arizona mailed their vote in. Not uh, 60%, but, but 30%. Uh, by, by their law, they, they were able to uh, exactly um, start counting. I think it's election week or whatever they started. All right, let's start. Go ahead. And I mean, and that's, that's a difference in priority, right? Florida's election laws were written after 2000. And what was the big shocker at the end of 2000? I was a very, I was a young boy back then, but even I'm old enough to remember. The big shock was, oh, it's election night and we don't know the answer we don't know who won florida oh my god right that was the big deal it wasn't this person won or that person won or they're not done counting it was that we didn't have an answer so all of florida's election laws and policies and procedures and every decision that they've made for the last 22 years since that election has been oriented towards making sure that they have an accurate count on the night of the election everything that they do but if you're a state that's brand new to this kind of thing that's only two years deep into this whole heavy guaranteed mail-in voting thing. And you're, we're gonna t- we've got all the time in the world. There's no timeline at all that's written for us to do this. So we're going to take our sweet time. And, of course, you know, that opens I, the door. And, and I think they like being in the in the spotlight, even though it might, hurt. Be, might be a little negative or, you know, like, oh, you know, because it's funny as, as they're ta- talking to these people who are in charge of, the, of counting the votes and stuff there, like, don't hold me to it, but we should have something by Monday. Yeah, I mean, controlled Two from now. <laughs> that's control. That's controlled opposition. That's the bright, shiny object over here that we want you to look at. Meanwhile, over here in my right hand is where all of the actual po- politicking is actually being done. Look over here. Oh, election fraud. Oh, claim election fraud. Claim election fraud. No, no, we're not going to talk about when I did that six years ago. No, 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 we're not going to talk about that. No, no, look over here at the shiny object. I think it's controlled opposition. It's an easy way to distract. And I think early in her campaign, Carrie Lake fell into that. She spent a lot of time talking about election fraud, the 2020 election, Trump won, collusion, uh, Dominion voting systems. She spent a lot of time early in her campaign talking about that. 
15 months ago. And then right around a year ago, it turned on a dime. And it turned on a dime again, actually, after she actually won the primary. Um, and she didn't talk about it at all. She stopped engaging in that discussion whatsoever because I think she started to realize that, you know, I think she started, she was modest enough and had enough self, she owned a mirror. So she had enough self-reflective capability to say, you know what, this might be true, but it's not a winning issue, and I need to put it aside for right now, regardless of what I believe, whether yeah, it's true Yeah, I mean, or not. And, and I really think that she... Uh, and Trump can't she, do that. And she... Um, but by then it was too late. She she had enough lawyers and stuff in place, and, and matter of fact... Uh, and Katie Hobbs knew it. Katie Hobbs said, I'm not going to debate. I'm not going to get in front of her and give her a chance to do her song and dance routine in front of everybody and make me look really bad. Mm-hmm. Listen, if this is as my polling says that I'm up by five percentage points, if that polling, I can lose four and a half percent and I'm still going to win by enough to not even justify a recount. You know, and I mean, and just to 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 touch on that a little bit more, you know, Hobbs had the uh, because of being Secretary of State, she also had the. Part of her duties was to make sure, to ensure fair voting elections. Yeah, she's you know? responsible for the elections. And, yeah. um, she should have handed them off. Yeah, she should have. Yeah, uh, but you know that's just going to be another one of those things. So the down the road for people to say, well, yeah, she she cheated. And but again, this is who and, knows. Again, and by the way, uh, what's his name in Georgia? Did that Kemp did that in Georgia in 2018? He had the same thing. He was Secretary of State. He was in charge of the election. That was part of what drove the whole Stacey Abrams thing about voter suppression and all that kind of stuff. So Mm -hmm. as a conservative, I look at both of those things and I say, look, ethical government doesn't just mean not not being immoral. Right. It means avoiding the appearance of impropriety. I agree. Right. It's not you can't it's not enough to be good. You got to look good, too. Um, all right, so you brought up Georgia, and I think that's probably uh, where we, uh, as far as the election goes, where we find uh, that's the last thing. So uh, what do you think, Herschel? I mean, he's he's not going to win. I mean, he sh- I'd, I'd like it if he won, but he's not going to win. Well, I mean, you know, all right, let me play devil's advocate. Doesn't the, uh, the because they have to have a runoff, uh, doesn't that favor the uh, – Somebody who's not the incumbent. Uh, how so? Well, look at the the, the runoff when they had the the last time, and both the incumbents lost. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was a little bit of a different uh, situation. Um, again, thanks to our good friend Donald Trump. I mean, he essentially went into that election and said, "If you're in Georgia, you shouldn't vote." I mean, he used every you know, strength, power, and prestige that his bully pulpit could muster to say this election is rigged and don't participate in this rigged system. So I think that's a little, I think that's a bit of an outlier. Um, I wouldn't take that as a genuine point of data. I think the better data to look at is the fact that um, uh, Brian Kemp uh, outpaced Herschel Walker significantly. Um, now, do I think that that means that people went in and voted for Brian Kemp and then checked the box for Raphael Warnock? No, no, because Warnock is an extremist. I think they left the ballot blank. I think they said, or they wrote another candidate in. Um, I think that they 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 couldn't stomach either one of them, so they just decided to step away. And so what's going to happen in whatever it is, two weeks or three weeks when they have the runoff, what's going to happen on that day, uh, December 6th, I think? 
what's going to happen on that day? A bunch of people aren't just aren't going to show up for Herschel Walker that happened to be in the booth because Brian Kemp was on the ticket. Um, and I think it's going to drive turnout down. And again, in the age of ballot harvesting, mail-in voting, and all that other stuff, you can go to downtown Atlanta and you can visit a lot of apartment buildings. But up in Cherokee County, things are much more rural and you're going to have a, a, a really hard time getting ahead. So uh, do I think he can win? Yeah, but I mean, I would put a lot of money against him. It, it, it's just, it's not, it's it's not in his favor right now. Again, the ground game exists um, in, in Georgia already for Raphael Warnock. So um, I think it's, we're going to end up, it's going to end up 51-49. Um, and we're just going to have to try better next, try harder next time. Um, yeah, I mean, and it's, it, I mean, it it won't be because, uh, you know, uh, certainly Herschel Walker is not going to be able to say that people didn't, uh, you know, it's not like he's waiting for Mitch McConnell to to help him. <laughs> no you know? way, he's going to let him drown. It, it, See ya. It, yeah. So he, uh, so. But I mean, some of the other people are are stepping up. Uh, sure, Cruz is down there. Yeah, and, I think and Lee's down there. So I mean, and so uh, and I think that's at this point, I think the best that Herschel can uh, can uh, hope for. Yeah, listen, I'm not I'm fight like hell. I'm not saying don't fight, don't claw. I mean, um, what does Wayne Gretzky say? You make 100 percent of the shots you don't take. I mean, you, you got to take the shot. You got to go after it. But um, you know, let's. Uh, Let's not kid ourselves here. Um, you know, from a strategic standpoint, Republicans and conservatives need to look forward and they need to say, okay, we've got the House, we've got a 10 or a 12 seat majority, something like that. Um, what are we going to do with that? What are some policies and procedures that we can that we can take an offensive stance on, that we can go on the offense and put bills in front of the Senate, put bills in front of Chuck Schumer, put bills in front of the President of the United States and and dare them to sit on them or veto them to take an, make an affirmative case for republican control cuz that's what republicans do a really bad job of is to say you need to vote for me because i'm going to act in your best interest i i i love your optimism and how you think that the republicans are going to do the smart thing um, <laughs> there's there's never there ne- never any evidence of that at all you know all. i'm a dreamer <laughs> i mean cuz they're already talking about hearings and uh and uh, the it's, laptop from hell, I know. and uh, it's oh, uh, so. It, well, listen though, did you watch the 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 press conference um, that what's his name had over the Hunter Biden laptop, like right after it was declared? Yeah, did I you saw watch parts that? of it. I didn't see the whole thing. And right? uh, he was asked, "Oh God, I wish uh, Cormer, Connor. I wish I could remember his name. I feel bad." Of course, Jim Jordan is the ranking member on the committee, and right. he's great. Um, he was asked. He said. Um, by one of the reports, he was like, well, you know, um, you know, don't you think like you're really focusing on this and Democrats are saying that this is a witch hunt and, you know, you really think you should be focusing on this? And he, his answer was so perfect. He said, um, and this is the answer every Republican needs to give. Goes, hey, listen, we're the House Oversight Committee. Oversight is what we do. We're doing our job. There's committees on education. There's committees on military. There's committees. There's committees for everything. And they're going to be led by Republicans, and they're going to pursue their goals and objectives that are going to reflect the interests of the American people. We have a very narrow purview. We have a very narrow scope. Our scope is on oversight. And right now, there's a huge gaping opening in government oversight 
uh, and it's Hunter Biden and the Biden crime family, and we're going to focus on that right now, and that's our job. We're going to play our position. And then, and the, I think, it, for me personally, I think that the the on, the the positive part of this is let's get this shit behind us. And I mean, uh, you know, you're going to have uh, two years before you uh, you have to worry about the fact that you may not have the majority again or whatever. Uh, Things so, look much better in two years for Republicans. Right. So um, at least um, get this stuff out of the way. If you're going to do it, if you're going to have these hearings and stuff, get it out of the way. Uh, and, and don't have it tie up the, the, the whole time that you're, you're uh, in office. Mm-hmm. Get on to other stuff and get on to, you know, um, and multitask. The Democrats yep. do it. Yep. Multitask. While you're having your hearings, have another uh, – other people get other things done, like uh, let's wor- work on uh, trying to uh, figure out a way where we can get it back into uh, – uh, start drilling in on yep. uh, on in the up in Anwar or somewhere uh, yeah or wherever you know change yep. the law. I mean, it, I think you know, and to actually to your point, I was I'm thinking about it now, and it's like you know, Democrats have had control. What have they done besides January sixth in the last two years? There's been no there's been no action. They haven't taken any real decisive action on inflation on gas prices. They haven't. I mean, well, in, they'll claim that they took decisive action by naming, you know, free money giveaway laws, the, you know, Anti-Inflation Act or whatever. But, you know, that works for a month or two. And then when people don't see that inflation is any better than it was a month or two ago, then they know it, it you know, it didn't help at all. So I think they've really myopically focused on January 6th. They've got their eyes up the road to 2024. They're trying to kill a Trump campaign, primarily because I think that Trump is probably the only one that can beat them. I think short of Joe Biden, you know, slipping into some kind of a coma or having some kind of a stroke or, you know, God forbid, passing away. I think that it'll he's be tough be to tell if he does. Yeah. <laughs> they're um, they're going to, you know, they're going to prop him up on the stage and it'll be Trump Biden, the revenge. And we'll get to see Rocky too. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, all right, so we've we've covered the elections. We've we've kind of got an idea of uh, we're going. Let's last little bit. Let's uh, let's talk about Trump and uh, you know are th- they're building up a uh, DeSantis right now. Do you, do you think that he does? Do you think that DeSantis is uh, is crazy enough to take on Trump? Oh God. Um... DeSantis is a smart guy, um, and I'm not as smart as DeSantis, but I'm going to try and, if I was DeSantis, what would I do? Um, I, If I was DeSantis, I wouldn't run in 2024. There's no reason for me to run. I'm 45 years old. Yeah. I have two very young, three very young children. I'm already running a state. I mean, like, every single thing he does is essentially campaigning. He has the opportunity now to basically run a six-year campaign for president of the United States, regardless of whether Trump becomes president or not. Uh, Trump cannot run from my perspective in 2028. I don't see how he does it. Either he wins and he gets, you know, constitutioned out or he doesn't win and he's going to be like 83 years old 
by the time it's time to run again and uh, everyone's just going to be so exhausted and how is he going to maintain his relevance without any kind of, he's barely maintained his relevance over the course of the last four years with everybody shilling for him behind the scenes. He slowly faded away. So if I was him, I would continue to run my state beautifully. No, I just won re-election, so I'm going to be termed out of office. I can only serve two terms as governor of Florida. That means in 2026, I'm out. That gives me four more years to make life as great as I can for every Floridian, drive as many people to Florida as I can, build as much business as I can, lay the groundwork for whoever's going to, for my successor. And then I can... I can I can take a year off and then run for president for a year. And again, no matter what happens, I'm not going to have to butt up against somebody like Donald Trump. And I'm only going to be 50 years old or whatever at that time. So it really doesn't, for me strategically, it really doesn't make sense for him to run now that Donald Trump is running. Um, and in six years, he's not going to have to beg for Trump's uh, endorsement either way. Again, either Trump wins and it's time for something new or Trump loses and I think he slowly fades into irrelevance. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that uh, now that Trump has uh, announced that he's running, unless something um, something unforeseen. Trump is trying to scare people away. That's yeah, why it, he announced so early. If, uh, if something unforeseen comes up and uh, Correct. Donald yeah. Trump can't run, then it's a different, a whole different scenario. But now that Donald Trump is running again, um <clears throat> I think he's he's the Republicans guy and I don't think there's anybody else out there right now that is strong enough to run against him and and beat him in the primary and especially the way that he primaries. Yeah, and Republicans, I think we've talked about this before together on previous shows. Republicans tend to be a little slow to the trigger. Uh if you look at the the ridiculous rise of Barack Obama and how sharp you know, the angle of his trajectory was coming up. That's not how Republicans are. You know, the idea of there being a Republican firebrand is someone like like a J.D. Vance, somebody that went to Harvard and then wrote a book. And then, you know, it was like over the course of a decade, he's slowly laying the groundwork. Or somebody like a Carrie Lake that spent 20 years on television in a state and then, you know, runs for governor or something like that. Like, that's the idea of a really sharp trajectory as someone that basically pivots, already has, you know, a popular base and a great skill set and then pivots it to somewhere else. That is not, that's not how Republicans, that's how, you know, Republicans don't operate that way. So there's, there is no, not going to be anybody. There might be a couple of people that come out with pea shooters that take some shots at Trump or whatever. But at the end of the day, I mean, he's the 800 pound gorilla and nobody's going to be able to, to go toe to toe with him in any kind of debate. I think, the best thing that Trump can do right now is not attack any other Republican in an attempt to clear the field early because it's going to make him look like a divider. I think he needs to let go of 2020, and I think he make, needs to make the affirmative case for the Republican Party, for the American people, and he needs to do it in a way that's constitutionally sound. He can't keep saying this shit about, you know, same-day voting and all that stuff. I, I, I agree. There, I mean, he's he's got to pick his, his, his fights. And, uh, all right, so... In a minute, let's. Uh, what? Tell me what you think. Uh, do the Democrats do a full court press and try to, uh, um, you know, indict him? Yes. Yeah. This is okay. Prediction. Uh, 
yes, they are going to throw the kitchen sink at him. Um, they're going to let, there's going to be a little bit of a denouement here. I think there's going to be a little bit of a pause. He's not going to come out. It's a long time. I mean, like 15 months till the primary, basically. So there's a long time. It's going to be a long race. I think it's going to take a long time, but I think when the Democrats strike, it's going to be with indictments. Um, they can't restart the January 6th committee because they've lost the house. That doesn't mean that they don't start some kind of a committee in the Senate. That doesn't mean that Chuck Schumer doesn't leverage his influence to create some kind of new committee out of, you know, thin air that might even exceed the purview of the Senate or something, but they're going to do everything they can because they know that with Ron DeSantis not running, there's only one person in the Republican Party that can beat uh, Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or Pete Buttigieg or, um, uh, sorry, I'm blanking on it. Um, Bernie. (laughs) No, Bernie's not going to run again. Um, uh, Gavin Newsom. Uh, Gavin Newsom, you know, those are kind of the big five names that have been thrown around lately. Um, um, and that's Trump. Trump's the only guy that could beat them right now. Yeah, and, and he, uh, in my opinion, he's the only one. And because I mean, when he announced the other day, I was like, whoa, dude, too early. <laughs> yeah. But he is the only one that can endure that kind of punishment that he's going <clears> to <throat> get. Uh, um, you know, I mean, he put it up for uh, with it for four years as okay. president. And so... Doing uh, f- 15 months is uh, it, it, it's going to be nothing to him, and he's going to uh, he'll be he'll be, unless he there, there's something that we don't know about, and that um, they can get something to stick in an indictment. Um, he's uh, it, I think he's he's yeah he's, it won't the, work. he's the only one that can hurt Donald Trump right now. Here's my prediction, and we can end on this. The factor that will determine whether Donald Trump becomes the next president of the United States in 2024 will be who he picks as running mate. That will decide. Oh, that's uh, that's quite a prediction. That will um, decide it. I think, uh, like I said, I think that uh, Donald Trump is the only one that can hurt Donald Trump right now. I yeah. think that if <laughs> I think it, only Trump cuts Trump. You know, he can <laughs> if he, you know, without without. Losing his base, his core people, if he could just tilt it a little bit, you know, uh, his whole uh, and 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 let some of this shit go, let it run off. The 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 other election's over. He's running again. He's got to get away from that. Everybody's cheating, and then um and I I, I this is going to be my third one. He's got to stop saying shit like that, and he's got to stop calling. Uh, like you said, he's got to stop calling other uh, Republican names. And uh, he's just got to focus on Donald Trump and uh, what what people like about him, and that's the, what he's done and what he can do uh, for the uh, Republican Party, for the whole Republican Party. Yeah. And now the best thing that, in, that the Republicans can do to help him is uh, McCarthy, when he the, when he gets that gavel in his hand, he needs to start focusing on on paving the the way to make it easier for Donald Trump down the road and um you know and if that means fighting uh to to keep uh you know them from indicting him any further or you know like I said they're already going to have time bet- between now and January to do that yeah um but once McCarthy has the gavel in his hand then he needs to be doing things that 
not only uh, will help Donald Trump, unlike he did with uh, who was the Speaker of the House when he when uh, Trump got elected, uh, the young guy, Paul Ryan, Paul Ryan, who hated Trump, who hated him. Yeah, and he was not. Paul make- Ryan's a rhino. He's, he's a rhino. Yeah. So. and he was not making it easy on Trump. So, and uh, so that, that's what you need is you need somebody to help pave the way for him to to make things go for a smooth transition, and he's got to be helped shoring up the the vote for Donald Trump. Either they're going to get behind him, or they're going to have to figure out an, another, you know, four year term of a Democrat. Yeah, you need to be a Republican but act like a Democrat strategically. You know, you need to start adopting those strategies. Act in unison, work in unison, work together. Work as a team. Accept the fact that Trump is on your team. You may not have picked him. You might not have liked him. Find out what his advantages are and find a way to jujitsu them in a way that is going to ensure that Republicans have an opportunity to show the American people that they're looking out for him. Because um, like the great Andrew Clavin says, um, Republicans get kicked out of office for uh, not doing what they say, and Democrats get kicked out of office for doing what they say. It's true. That's just how it is. All right, so let's end it there. Jeremy, thank you so much. Yeah, thank I, you. I knew if somebody could unravel this crap, it could be you. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, I'm not sure if we made it, made it any clearer for the listeners or not, but uh, um, it was a very enjoyable couple hours. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Ken. Anytime. All right, until next time, I'm Ken Lambert. That's coming